Hello everybody and welcome back to Mugamavics at Movies, the show where we don't talk smack about movies, we celebrate them. And today we are reviewing another Marvel Cinematic Universe film that came out last year. Yes, of course, another podcast we recorded in 2017 that has taken us over a year to finally get out to your ears. But hey... What fortuitous timing! After all, DC has released in theaters a film about Aquaman, a buff dude a beard who is a prince from an otherworldly kingdom who must fight for both humankind and his own kind against his evil brother prince. And who does that remind you of on the Marvel side? Who is Marvel's Aquaman? Thor, of course, literally Thor and Aquaman are kind of the same premise. And so that is how I will justify releasing to you our review of Thor Ragnarok. Even though Aquaman has more in common with the first Thor than Thor Ragnarok. Well, they both have a swashbuckling, more carefree, don't take this too seriously tone. This and Thor Ragnarok. Unlike the first two Thor movies, which took themselves so seriously, you're like, oh my god, these Thor movies are awful. And you know what? Even though Thor Ragnarok was a lot more fun, like Aquaman, it was not trying to take itself seriously, it was trying to have a sense of humor. Well, it didn't quite work for us, as you will see. We actually had quite controversial takes on a movie that people said was the best tour movie, was quite beloved. Well, you'll see. We had more mixed opinions, but I will let you figure that out, find that out for yourselves as you listen to our review of Tor Ragnarok. Now, before we begin, I must preface this that, of course, we're reviewing a comic book movie, so we had Vix on, because why would we even bother reviewing a comic book movie without Vix, when she has such a wealth of knowledge and very strong opinions about anything comic book related, especially when it comes to Marvel and DC Comics. So yes, Vix is on this podcast, and as you may know, we recorded a lot of these Manga Mavericks movies in 2017 before Vix transitioned, so there's often times in this podcast where we refer to her by a wrong name or by the wrong pronoun, and I just want you guys to be mindful of that, but with that out of the way, say ah, ah, and let's jump right in to our review of Tor Ragnarok, and show where we talk smack about movies or have mixed opinions on movies that are huge blockbuster hits critically and commercially successful but maybe have been overhyped 
maybe have been exaggerated in terms of the praise bestowed upon them. I don't know how you guys feel about it. 94% like the movie. Yeah. yeah. Apparently the highest rated superhero movie of the year, or at least it was upon its release. I'm not really sure if it deserves that accolade. It doesn't. Batman, <laughs> Lego Batman came up this year. That oh, is yeah, very true. This year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck, fuck Thor Ragnarok. And, and Spider-Man. Yeah, and Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. As, like, yeah. We are talking about Tor Ragnarok, the third tour film. More like, and more like uh, what Jack Kirby was going to do before they kicked him off and he went to DC and just had it happen anyways without the Asgardians. Yep. Yes. Or more like Tor meets Guardians of the Galaxy, except the Guardians of the Galaxy are not in it. Or the Yay. first Thor movie that isn't complete garbage. That's true. There's that. This is the first Tor movie that I was not hating watching all the way through. You know what's really what's really funny about this is that even though it gets literally every single part of Norse mythology wrong, it's still the most accurate to Norse mythology. <laughs> As you were saying, this movie also has the most accurate characterization of Tor to the comics so far. Yeah. Basically, yeah, he's, he's he, instead of being whatever the hell he was in every movie before this, he's like, ah, oh, yes, I am forced. A pompous regal dick. He's a pompous regal dick. He's gonna like, fuck your shit up. And like the, the first scene with Surtur, that was perfect. He's just like, oh, oh, I'm gonna fuck you up. Just uh, just gonna wait here for a little bit. Yeah, uh, now I know your plan. Fuck you, fuck you. You're yes, good. all it took to make Thor likable was to make him Star Lord. Basically, except more of a dick. Yeah, just just have him just just have him be Star Lord with an actual god complex, which is well deserved because he's a god. Congratulations, you don't, did it. Don't try to make him edgy. God elitist guy like in Thor one and Thor two. I don't understand that. Why did they do that? That's uh, that, that's like Loki's thing. I'm glad they made him humorously arrogant instead of boringly arrogant. Oh, you fucking! He didn't take himself too seriously this time. And I think that made him a lot more likable. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like that's kind of his whole thing because he's like the only god that gives a shit about Midgard. In any of the other nine realms, he's just like, "Yep, I like you. You're good. Yeah, good. Let's do some fun shit." Woo! That's that's why he's got a sense of humor. That's why he likes the Midgardians. He thinks they're funny and he thinks they're cool. Mm-hmm. Yo, he's a he's hip with the Midgardians, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he gets them. I oh, definitely got the sense that in this movie they were trying to make Tor more hip and cool. Yeah. They gave him a snazzy haircut. They had him fight with more cool weapons in a gladiator coliseum. He had more It really cracks. seems to me that they were trying to be like, oh, you know who is more popular than Thor? Star-Lord, you know the aesthetic and tone of the movies that is the most popular? Guardians of the Galaxy, let's let's turn this tour boat around and make it more like that. Let's turn, let's let's turn get Bifrost a, into the old Activision logo, because that's what they did. <laughs> let's get a director who has more vision, who has a sense of humor to direct this, and infuse this movie with some color instead of the boring... Landscapes and gray tones of the previous movies. Yeah, like all, all the last two movies so were just sorry. like a bunch of blacks and grays. Yeah, it's it so elves. boring. Like I, Dark World is literally a dark world. It's it's so dull. Not visually interesting. Made for a very unpleasant to look at movie. But this movie, bright and colorful, lots of flashing colors. Ooh, keeps you to the screen. Except for Bifrost, which is oddly really really dull. 
I never got that. It's a rainbow bridge. Make it colorful. I mean, it was still multicolored. It was yeah, like it was, but it, like wasn't the most colorful thing. In, it was like the least colorful thing in the movie. And I'm like, why? yeah, compared why? to the other things, yeah, it was it was weirdly like faint colors. I'm like, like okay, I it's a, that's a that's a nice bifrost you got there, you piece of shit. Well, Many people have already commented that Taika Waititi. Direction in this movie created a much stronger visual aesthetic than has appeared in any of the previous Marvel movies. I would agree that this film looks very visually distinct and more. It's Generation Three from Pokemon. Sure, that's what that's <laughs> what it is. It's like it's 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 gener- it's uh, the it's the Aqua and Magma bases from Generation Three of Pokemon. They've, they've, they've literally got a Rayquaza logo, like, in the green room. They've got a uh, they've got a Groudon logo in the red room. And on the blue shit, they have some Jack Kirby dots and uh, the occasional Kyogre symbol. And I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a spicy meatball right there. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if that was intentional, but if it is, I get 10 out of 10 right there. <laughs> that was a really cool This one. is definitely one of the few MCU films that left it impact in terms of its cinematography. Mm. I really can't comment on how it fits into the director's filmography because I haven't really seen any of his other films. But according to people who have, this is his weakest film. And it says something that this director's weakest film is one of the funnier MCU films and the only entertaining tour film so far. <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's very, very visually distinct, but it's very, very derivative in its visual distinction. It, yeah. it feels a lot less um, heavy than something like Guardians of the Galaxy or um, or um, uh, or Captain America's uh, um, uh, Winter Soldier. I'm not going to say Civil War because Civil War... One Civil of, one War of its, wasn't It's One that. of its strengths was not its yeah. aesthetic. Like, it's... It no, it doesn't exactly know what it wants to be, and a lot of it seems very plasticky. And we're doing this for the sake of sci-fi, and mm-hmm. I mean the world kind of looked okay occasionally, but it wasn't a. I, I've I've seen some '60s Doctor Who shit that was a bit more um, jointed together, and that was yeah. literally rubber monsters made on your tax dollars. The CG in this movie was also not very convincing, but I think this movie gets away with it partially because it is going for a more cartoony tone. So yeah. it worked in the realm of its humor. If we were trying to take Sodder seriously, it would have fallen flat on its face. Yeah, like yeah you can't you take you can't take Sodder seriously in this movie, even though he's like you know the bringer of Ragnarok, the de- uh, the, the destruction of the gods, the 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 Norse equivalent of I guess Satan, kind of. I mean, I guess he committed. Suicide at the end, and when he blew up the planet, I guess that was his grand plan. No, yeah, that's his grand plan. Like that's what he does. He 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 literally exists just to kill the gods and make a new and make a clean slate. So yeah, the film just kind of treats him as a joke. They do. Tor dispatches him in the first ten minutes, which just brings up the question: How is he able to destroy all of Asgard single handed? Eternal flame. Yeah, the eternal flame. Yeah, like like that was the only part of the film that made any goddamn sense. (laughs) Like when it came to the Asgardians in Norse mythology, yeah, Thor can easily dispatch this motherfucker, and Loki douses it in the internal flame, and suddenly Surtur is eternal, Surtur is a god, Surtur is, and he just fucking, and he fulfills his life's purpose in destroying Asgard. Yeah, there, there we go, that's, a, that's, a, that's the only piece of character development that works. 
Yeah. Woo. But the movie string is not in its villains. Neither Sartre or the main villain of this film, Hella, yeah, are Hella. really that... She, she's interesting. She, Her name is Hella. You can't take a name like that seriously. That is Lane. something Cartman says, and everyone makes fun of him for saying. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's it was a Tumblrism for a while. But uh, Hella, um, I liked the I liked the, what they did with their horns. I like the fact that they had her keep her helmet on because all these fucking Marvel movies are absolutely allergic to covering yeah. up any parts of their beautiful stars, heads, or faces. Thor can't wear his helmet. Uh, the Incredible Hulk, is his face is molded after his actor. Um, Captain America, he can't have his little wing-a-ling-ding-ding. Star-Lord can't have the mask except for in the... Except for, oddly enough, in the new Marvel Comics opening, which now completely drops the idea of using comic panels because they've got so many goddamn movies at this point. Let's just use them! Yeah. I mean, Hella looks distinctive, and she's well-acted by Kate Blanchett, but... As an actual character, she is Bland. just an evil villainess. That's her thing. Oh, Thor, you, you, you thought that Odin was a good guy, but he was actually a bad guy. That's not, are we going to do anything with the fact that Odin was a bad guy? He was a colonialist and committed genocide on all the nine realms when he conquered them? It's actually nope. a lot less, you know, cooler. It's, it's, it's not as really cool as that sounds, because apparently in this movie... Well, genocide is not a cool thing. Well, general. like, like, like it, you, it'd be really, really cool if this one guy conquered, you know, nine distinct fucking dimensions. Holy shit. Right, but, but they're just, in the context of the MCU, the nine realms are just nine different planets. Yeah, they, they, we don't even know which planets they are instead of Asgard and Midgard. They're just yeah. like, it's like, okay, you conquered nine random planets. Goody, goody gumdrops. I'm so proud of you, you piece of shit. Here's a medal. Yeah, yeah, you did it. You beat some colonial. You, you beat you beat some uh some Victorian era fuckers. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's not a very that's not that's, that's not really cool, honestly. <laughs> but I mean, oh, but 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 also the nine realms can't be planets because Yggdrasil's fucking everywhere. And how would Yggdrasil work if it was just nine random fucking planets instead of distinct dimensions with their own laws of physics and gods and all this shit? I mean, how the fuck would Yggdrasil even work? Uh, why is it's it's fucking everywhere in the movie? You see it uh, like it's it's a symbol of hope and the symbol of the throne and the symbol of the old world and the stronghold and everything. But it's just there. I don't know. What's the dra- what, what's the what's the dragon doing? E- eating something that doesn't exist? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Quetzalcoatl better call up her fucking her fucking pal and be like, "Yo, Yggdrasil don't fucking exist. Want to hang out with me and Kobayashi, you fucker?" I don't know. She she'd probably do that. I mean, it'd be a bit of better use of her goddamn time than, than fucking I don't know gnawing at the <laughs> roots of a tree that doesn't exist because it's just a my- you're getting too worked up. My parents can probably hear downstairs and are getting annoyed. And also, you keep slapping your knees, and that is very distracting for everyone listening to it. I'm, 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 I'm casting a spell. I'm casting shame upon this entire movie and its usage of it. it it's, it's actually very accurate when it uses North when it, it is portrayal of Norse mythology, and that it, it, it quotes some of the stories like. Uh, like 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 Thor talks about the time Loki transformed into a snake because he knew Thor liked snakes, and then when Thor was and then Thor wouldn't pick up the snake, Loki's like, "Aha, it's me, Loki!" and he stabs him in the face. That happened. That's the thing that happened. So they obviously read something, but then they're just like, 
uh, let's just not use any of that information, because why would we use that in something called Ragnarok? Yeah, look at the, 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 the thing that, even, that every five-year-old knows is the death of the gods. I don't know. Might be a little important to use something related to Asgard. Oh yeah, and then they're, they're like Norway is like the new Asgard or something. It's like 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 Odin said that at the beginning of the movie. He's like this, this is home. This is Asgard. And he's standing <laughs> he's standing on a cliff in Norway, and I'm like, I don't think Norway is gonna be okay with you just having an entire dimension. Oh wait, no, it's a planet. I forgot. Even though Asgard. Yes, I don't strange. think Norway can. Uh, sustain the entire population of Asgard. Yeah. So just, just drop a dimension in there and it's like, yeah, okay, we live on this one cliff now. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're okay with that Norwegian government. That's, that's not what's their plan. That's their plan in the movie. They're gonna, they're gonna, they, um, they're just Thor. gonna take up every single inch of that cliff. Huddled <laughs> together. It, it, it was just, it was, it, um, Little Asgard. What's, what's, my little uh, Asgard, my little what's Asgard. What's really funny about this is it's kind of like that. It, it's it's a lot like that. Just the uh, the beginning of the um, Johns and Goyers uh, Justice Society comics, in which the Sandman Wesley Dodds is standing on the uh, standing on a cliff about uh, um is standing on the cliff awaiting death as he's the one of the only surviving members of the JSA that has escaped Ragnarok but has not escaped death because the JS um, like. Most of the JSA, after escaping Ragnarok, because uh, they were in there for a while, like they were the one instead of like the 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 Asgardians, the old gods died to make way for the new gods, and Ragnarok still raged. Um, the new gods being like Dark Side and um, all those other dudes, and Wesley died, and so like Jay Garrick, he's fine. Um, as uh, Ted Ted Grant, he got nine lives like a cat, and Wesley Dodds is just you know dying like a normal person. And one of the and, and one of the and one of the escapees, um, Extant, murders him on the cliff, and he falls down. And like it looked exactly like that shot in the comic, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's intentional, but thanks for reminding me of how much better something that wasn't even related to Norse mythology handled Ragnarok. I now want to go read some Sandman. <laughs> Not Neil Gaiman's, the, the one with the dude with the gas mask. For all you losers out there. Yeah, I'm one of those losers because I have no clue who you're talking about. There's two Sandmen. There's, like, the dream dude that Neil Gaiman wrote, and there's, like, this dude with a gas mask that's, that's like, I am the bringer of the terrible dreams. <laughs> and he goes around with his wife and beats shit up. It's cool. Is that different from the Sandman that Spider-Man fights sometimes? Very different, as in this is 1930. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is old as shit. And, he's, and uh, the Sandman is in, like, he's the bringer of dark dreams and um, to, um, to criminals everywhere. He has prophetic dreams about crimes, and he and his uh, girlfriend um, fi- uh, figure shit out and beat shit up um, you, you, um, use, using, using gas and shit. I I don't know how he I I I hope he was okay during that whole Ragnarok thing against Surtur because I mean he's he's not exactly a fighter <laughs> he kind he kind of is just like sleep sleep you bastards he just has like a pepper spray of like sleep ass or whatever <laughs> just sprays it in Surtur's face occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run. You, you got this, Jay. <laughs> but yeah, that's does the Mister Zoidberg like scream on the way out? I, lo- I love Zoidberg. He's a he's a hot boy. You know. You know. Speak, speaking of speaking of aliens. Speaking of aliens. Let's. Let's 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 talk about Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> was great 
as the Grandmaster. He was hilarious. He was like, uh, to quote some quote I'm reading on Wikipedia right now, he is a hedonist, a pleasure seeker, an enjoyer of life. Like, he is a guy who has enslaved a bunch of warriors, but he doesn't want to call them slaves. They are prisoners with jobs, and he's just like, hey, Tor, I see you're tied to that chair there. What are you? Oh, you're the Lord of Thunder. That's cool, dog. You know, I'm gonna send you to fight out of my Coliseum, and maybe if you win, I'll send you home. Maybe not really. He, 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 he tries to make a freeform uh, electric <laughs> electronic space jazz song uh-huh. around um, around Thor's backstory. Yeah. He's like, he's like, what's that Asgard thing? Oh, okay, got that. Yeah. And he, he's, coming. He's, he freaking DJ's his own parties, <laughs> and he has a, he sings his own happy birthday song, and he has a program in the ship, and, and he has fireworks to come out of the ship when and he, he plays has orgies it. in that he, ship. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. this is a Disney movie for children orgies. For children, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's just don't, don't don't touch anything, Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she got, yeah. Well, will the kids understand that joke, V Lord? Will they understand why he shouldn't touch anything in the ship, V Lord? I think they might, given how dirty kids are nowadays. Uh, my uh, little brother yeah. didn't understand what I, uh, I was watching a video about a Tay the chatbot yesterday, and my little brother didn't understand any of it outside of the World War Two references about, but didn't exactly understand the words. Gas the Jews, race war now, so... Um, yes, but your brother's yeah. innocent. He hasn't been tainted. I, sh- I, I don't know. It's so strange <laughs> that we have Disney movies with alcoholics and implied orgies. Not implied, they said orgies. They, they said orgies. Yeah. They, yeah, I mean, they explicitly said it, but we don't see it. I mean, it. those are family values right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure Walt this Disney is such always... a wholesome family company. I'm sure every day Walt Disney went home, drank a ton of booze, and then had an orgy. Yeah, <laughs> also, also, he was Valkyrie. That, that, that's, yeah. That's a, that's a thing he was. He was one of the cool women warriors of Asgard that just kind of died. That was That was a cool scene. That was, that was a cool scene. I, w- I wish we could have seen Hela actually do something like that in the movie, you know, where she's, yeah. like, fighting... You know, she's fighting the, the greatest warriors of Asgard, and it's not just, like, a shitty superhero. Bam! Punch! Zowie! It's, like, her, like, actually using her god powers to do god shit. It's, like, all of her fight scenes in the movie were just, like, I got a spike! She just Here's goes a spike. stabbing, stabbing. I said before that none of the villains in this movie were... All that memorable, but Jeff Goldblum's character is actually, he and was I a love. He's not a good he person. We deserve. <laughs> I guess technically he's the villain, but he's like kind of comedy, comedy yeah, relief. Yeah, he's time. more of a comedy relief character, but he is like a villainous character. I mean, he yeah. has him. He is enslaving a bunch of people. Uh, he clearly is not a good ruler. He, he, he melts people. Yeah. He has a melty stick. Yeah, and it makes cool little goop. <laughs> Though it That's grosses him out. Oh, I'm stepping in it. Uh, yeah, gross. Yeah. You are pardoned from life. <laughs> but he's not as hardcore as uh, his lieutenant. He was like, oh, Loki interrupted me. You want this, your melting stick, sire? And, I, and, she's, and he's like, what? No, he interrupted me. That's not a capital offense. <laughs> yeah, she just wants to murder everybody and calls it. And it's like, yeah, you're a booze, he- you're you're a you're a booze head and a, and a loser. You you suck. I want to kill you. And like, and she's like making cool little poses as she's shooting everybody. She's like yeah. <laughs> nodding her head. And she, she, yeah, she's like nodding her head to the soundtrack, and then she's going like, yeah. 
It's I like mean, she's not even pressing anything. She just go. She's just like doing that, and she's firing missiles. She's like, pachoo, pachoo, pachoo. Yeah, I love I, when she's like in the her in the her ship, and she's like nodding her head, and she's like firing on uh, Valkyrie. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love one scene I just love is like when Thor is like coming to uh, on the planet he's strapped to the chair and he's like in this like small wonder-esque amusement park thing and you hear the Willy Wonka team play as they're Wrong explaining way. it's the actual it's the actual um, pure imagination song yeah. it's the whole thing it's not edited yeah I know it's so good yeah. it's, like, it's like supposed to present this as oh this is innocent uh, and, and whimsical but it's like so dark like uh, the backstory of how this grandmaster gave the power and then it goes into talking about you are going to you are now property of the Grandmaster you are going to fight you are now only wordy because you are property of the Grandmaster it's but like, he loves you and then it becomes super trippy and scary and Thor starts screaming you are just about real to meet meal. the Grandmaster and then three two one and it's like oh it's like that's so, they gotta make that an actual ride at the Disney parks it would be funny please I would uh, they can't, though. They, it would have to be Universal. Why? Disney can't do any Marvel stuff. Universal has the rights to the Marvel. But they have Guardians of the Galaxy rides at Disney parks. They, they can't. They can't. Thor's Thor, like the actual Avengers themselves, the Marvel Marvel Cosmic Universe. Yeah, yeah. Disney can do shit with that at, at their parks. But Universal has the rights to Thor. Well, they don't have to have Thor as a part of it. They just need the Grandmaster character. That's true. I want an entire Disney park centered around the Grandmaster. <laughs> Grandmaster's Coliseum. Yeah. Oh, where's our Kino's journey crossover with the with this movie? Kino has to fight in this Coliseum against the. So Hulk. she's gonna shoot want, Grandmaster, and, and, and then World she crossover. makes a rule where like, oh, now all of you gotta kill each other. I'm Kino. Fuck all of you. I was so show back in the new anime. <laughs> do, you, do you guys know the DC character, uh, a Mongol of War World? Yeah. I mean, that's Crossover. what reminded me of. Crossover! <laughs> jo- Jonah, Jonah Hex is forced to fight in the ring by a Mongol of War World and the Grandmaster. Or or they have to fight in the Tournament of Power. Please! <laughs> Replace I mean, Jeff Goldblum with Zeno. I mean, no, Thor basically, just, just have Thor basically has to go into Ultra Instinct. We yeah, that show during the movie. He's got a Thunder Force basically Ultra Instinct. Yeah. yeah. God of Thunder, Thor. He's just, I can, you can do that anytime, dude. What, what was the point of that? He's just like, oh, I guess if he gets beat up too much, he he can call on lightning. He's a god, dude. He didn't even have to fight Kefla to get into Ultra Instinct the second time. Or, or Jiren, or anyone, really. Yeah. Also, yeah. the effects were from the Mortal Kombat movie. It was funny. Uh, yeah. Like, like, I'm not, I, I, it might have been totally intentional, but those were the same effects that they used for Raiden in the original Mortal Kombat movie. And oh, it was, yeah. Totally. It was really cool, honestly. I was like, oh, he's a Raiden. Thor versus Raiden death battle. That was a, that was a thing once. Hmm. Now hold on. According to this Wikipedia page, the Grandmaster is one of the elders of the universe. Who are the elders of the universe? Isn't that like in the same level as Galactus and uh, um, I and guess the Watcher? Right? Because if because if he's one of the elders of like um, 
Oh, I might be thinking of Elder Gods. I, um, I'm not too into Marvel Cosmic um, outside of Rom Space Knight and the early Jack Kirby Fantastic Four and with stuff like the Human Torch dodging through um, through orbs of unreality that will erase his memory from 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 from, from Earth itself. You know, that's well, like in the that. comics, Ego, the Living Planet, was one of the elders of the universe. So. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big thing, honestly. That's huge. I hope that they make. I hope that this isn't another Mandarin situation, because because if he's on the same level as Ego, the Living Planet, that's a. I mean, he's alive at the end of the movie, so he could come back. Yeah. I, I would like to see more Jeff Goldblum. Elders of the Universe, Marvel. I mean, was this in the Sword and the Star? Because I read that once. That was good. You would know better than me. <laughs> All right, Father Time, the Runner, the Possessor, the Gardener, the Obliterator. Yeah, this is Silver Surfer level stuff. Mm. Um, it's it's not it's not on the same level as like Galactus or anything, but this is some pretty big things. Interesting. The Elder Nose Champion was brief encounter with any Earth's strongest heroes, defeating Colossus, Sasquatch, Wonder Man, Hulk, and Thor in hand-to-hand combat. Then he faces Benjamin Grimm, um, but loses as Grimm would never fucking submit. Wow. Hell yeah. Maybe these guys are going to be what's after Thanos in the future of the MCU. I doubt it, because Thanos isn't going to be anything big, so they're gonna, it's just going to be... They, they, they might have them, but it's not going to be anything big or anything. It's just going to be... Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm saying after they defeat Thanos, yeah. maybe they'll move on to these guys. Possibly. It's, it's not going to be cool or anything. It's not going to be cool because Thanos isn't cool in these movies. I could only hope that Thanos would be as entertaining as Jeff Goldblum is. But he won't be. He won't be. That's the only thing they can do at this point. They've completely ruined any sense of power or mystery Thanos has. Because he's just a thing that they put at the end of the credits for every movie now. I mean, there's certainly no sense of tension in these movies. Especially with this movie. As funny as it is, it's not like I could actually care about the story itself, right? You don't really care about Asgard, whether he gets destroyed, whether even the the people get killed or whatever. Because, like, whatever. Especially when you learn the history of Asgard and how Odin conquered the Nine Realms. I'm like... Uh, fuck Odin and all of these guys. They I'm, are, I'm they committed genocide and have not apologized for it at all in any Hashtag way. Hashtag Odin did nothing They're still wrong. racist. They, at the beginning of the movie, when Loki is doing his play, he said, Oh, we drove back those disgusting elves. Like, they are... I know those elves were, you know, the villains of the last movie, and they were... Yeah. Evil, the Dark Elves were still were... on Asgard when they destroyed it! Yeah, they I mean, save they, killed, they killed actually all the other races on Asgard besides the Asgardians themselves. Which, I mean, they, they never showed they never showed any outside of the hundred-odd Asgardians that were actually in the movie. I, I can, like, um, in, in a cosmic sense, if this was a... If this was the Asgard of the early movies and the comics, I could legitimately forgive Odin for what he did, as he as he's a cosmic god, one of the creators of the universe, the cultivator of Yggdrasil, and probably this was legitimately millions of years ago, and he evolved a non-interference policy, and Thor cultivated the um, and Thor probably cultivated the um, the, the warriors of Asgard, like the Valkyries and the Warriors Three, and 
um, and the keepers of Bifrost and the Frost Giants, etc., etc., into a peacekeeping force to keep the Nine Realms stable and to keep the Yggdrasil from falling into ruin and um, keeping peace among the uh, the various races of Asgard itself and keeping them from reaching out like the dwarves using their immense, crazy technology into killing everything in the Nine Realms themselves and Odin kind of uh, keeping the cosmic balance. Like, I could forgive that. But that's not what's in the movie. Yeah. The movie just presents it as some sort of warlord, dictator, planet, dude, dude from an. It'd be, it'd be like it's 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 on the same level as War of the Worlds. He's just he's just a Martian from War of the Worlds. That's all he is. Why would you give him any sympathy? He's yeah. a dingity dingus. He just conquered other planets, and then one day was like, "Eh, I don't want to do this anymore." For no reason, I guess we don't really get an actual reason why he stopped being. Genocidal. Oh, it's because his daughter just was like, I don't Oh, wanna- yeah, it's because his daughter was like, No, we need to go further and kill more people. And he's like, But I only wanted to kill nine players. I'm satisfied with the amount of people because it's not, he's not sympathetic at all. It's literally his, the only reason that he stopped was because he was satisfied with how many he had. It's not like he was any worse than Hella. I mean, Hella, I guess, is worse because she wanted more, but like, he's still a monster for what he did and he never like made amends for it and for what we've seen and no one ever calls him out on it yeah, they never well, give us a door never addresses that and he never addresses the mural and the that was hidden behind the historically revised mural uh, the mural that shows how he Odin and Hela fucking massacred planets were the people it also brings up the question: Mass how genocide. Did they, but it's a, how do they not notice that you only before? did nine? Nine's the magic number. If you go to ten, you go too far. Okay. But nine planets? Oh, that's just fine. Okay, it's just fine. So, they never give us a reason to sympathize with Odin. He, yeah, no, at all. Because he's standing. Oh, he, he was. He's, he's an old man. He, he died. And he's sad. Oh, I thought, you know, I think it would sea. be perfect comeuppance for like like Loki, legitimate. Uh, so Loki in the comics and Loki in um as in Norse mythology. Since Odin is portrayed as a bit of a is, is portrayed as a bit of a despot, even though he is the keeper of the nine realms and has a policy of keeping the nine realms sort of stable, Loki is kind of the people's champion. As in, he wants Odin deposed. He um, he he, he wants he wants the other realms to have a sort of a bit more say in the balance. He but he but. It's, He's, uh, but but also in doing so, he would upset the balance of the nine realms, and Yggdrasil itself would fall to the um, f- uh, fall to the world eater at the bottom of the tree, and horrible things would happen. And he's also a little bit too power hungry himself, so he's a bad guy. But he's also technically a really really good guy at the same time. So there's the whole dichotomy of Thor is like lawful good and um and 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 and, and Loki is chaotic good. So, Ish, new, chaotic, neutral, I guess, so something in those lines, and so I mean, it'd be perfect comeuppance for him to be like, "Yeah, Odin, you're a piece of shit. I'm gonna put you in a nursing home for the rest of you, for the rest of reality. See how you like it." <laughs> I'm Loki. That was funny. That would that would be funny if like that was his comeuppance, just to sit in a nursing home that falls down on his head. Yeah, you that know, would- Odin never gets really redeemed for what he's done. He never even makes an attempt to redeem himself at all. He stood on a cliff, though, and he said... And worse is is that... He said, this is Asgard now. I mean, we're supposed to sympathize with him ousting the people of Norway. Worse is that Hela brings up that he was as guilty as her in what he had done, but no one else calls Odin out on it. 
at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. and the the movie presents Hela as obviously in the wrong, but it doesn't explain why Odin was not in the wrong, why the Asgardians were not in the wrong for what they did. No one calls them out on that. It's because he stood on a cliff <laughs> and looked really sad. I You got really worked up about how this movie... Um, misinterprets Norse mythology and the comics lore, but I am legitimately upset about the political, so, socio-political subtexts of this movie in terms of its uh, supposedly anti-colonial themes, because while Hela's ambition is colonialist, um, and like she is the villain... Uh, it, it, like, the context of the movie is, like, Asgard is, like, built on uh, a colonialist past, and we see in the movie that they have historically revised that past and sanitized it to forget the atrocities they have committed and present themselves in the present as, you know, a noble people and have always been. And that's very dangerous. That's something that in modern... And what's happening right now in our culture is something that's very dangerous um, in terms of what we're seeing with, you know, all these rallies and conflicts over statues and uh, the erasure of what the Civil War was and, like, revisionism by people to, like, romanticize a very dark past of America and forget, like, <laughs> the blood and the death that the this country was built on, and, 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 the and the unpleasant parts about our past, like Africa th- th- that's something that is really something we're str- struggling with, and we're we're dealing with in our culture right now. And so we're seeing something reflected in the movie that they could do something with, but they don't, and. The way that they dismiss it and ignore the uh, the dangerous ideologies like that is actually very troubling because the way it presents Thor and like Odin is that yeah they're fine they're they're obviously not bad right now it doesn't matter what they did in the past the movie literally ends they're they're better than they're better than Lady Hitler. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a very troubling movie in that respect. It's problematic. Uh, I think a, a character, a single character that encapsulates this very well, even beyond Odin, is a character of Scourge, who I I have to say is is really seems like a a Nazi sympathizer. If we because like look. We have Hela here, and she's a colonialist. Her ambition is that she wants to kill everyone else except for Asgardians and all the other realms and conquer them. And she commits genocide on her own people, everyone who opposes her. And we have Scourge here who goes along with it and is complicit in everything she does because just for his own selfish desire for power himself, and he is willing to massacre and execute innocent civilians in order to prop himself up. And only when he is 
on the losing side. Only when his life is in danger does he fight back. And what's problematic about this is that the movie presents that character arc as redeemed. It presents Scourge as having redeemed himself when he shoots off all the zombified soldiers off the ship and helps that ship escape. But the, in the context of the movie, the only reason he does that is because his life is in danger in that moment, and he would have been perfectly fine slaughtering all those people five minutes ago when he was on the winning side and he wasn't in danger. Nope. If he hadn't turned traitor and decided to escape with the ship, he would have been in a position where he was like, yeah, I'm going to kill all these people and get the sword for Hela, and I'm on the winning side. Like, he is... <laughs> A really problematic character, and yeah, I, I'm, he, it merely made me uncomfortable with his character arc and how it was presented. Especially considering the way he fights is with, uh, big weapons, and he's supposed to be presented as badass when he's shooting those guns, and, Ooh, cross-marketing this... for the militia group that's working with Marvel. Oh, man. Oh, I gosh. would not be surprised if this was subliminal advertising for Nortrop Grumman products. Like, even going beyond, like, Scourge's <sighs> character being absolute garbage, he has no purpose in the film narratively. He yeah. doesn't contribute anything. Okay, okay, okay. You guys, you guys want to get some, want to get some all kinds of mad up in here? Uh, you guys have seen Earth's Mightiest Heroes, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know how Christopher Yost worked on this movie and he wrote, yeah. wrote so, Scourge is, uh, is a more of the Enchantress's, um, that, she, she's, um, that, that's, that's her lackey. That's what, that he, in, he, he's in Earth's Mightiest Heroes as the big dude with the axe. His whole thing is that he's the illegitimate son of a storm giant and as guardian from the realm. From uh, from one of the nine realms, realm of Skornheim, and um, he got seduced by the enchantress into being her into being her brainwashed lackey. That's why he vo- joins Baron von Zemo and the Legion of Evil. He's legitimately not like he was. A, he was a legitimately honorable warrior that what um, um that was brainwashed by this horrible by this horrible person and is and now is little more than a puppet for her. And I think now he's ascended to Valhalla at this point in the comics, but like. They seem to be drawing upon the arc of this person is seduced by this. This person is seduced by recognition and power into a, being a brainwashed lackey, and then in, and then it's supposed to be he breaks out of it at the last moment. But that's not what it is because she doesn't use any mind control whatsoever. Yeah, he's not mind control. He goes along of his own free will. Yeah, like they, if, if they, they legitimately brainwashed him, I can feel some sympathy for him. But they don't. They just have him as like a sniping traitor. Yeah, he never does the right thing until. Yeah. In the end, I will not call what he does the right thing because he's not. he's not looking out for the other people. He's just trying to protect himself. Yeah, they turn they turn so, they turn somebody who's a slightly tragic but still honorable warrior into the in, in, into into a, into a servant of one of the uh, into a servant of Hela, the goddess of death, just because he's like, yeah, uh, I want some uh, recognition. Uh, um, that's yeah. what I want. Oh, I just want some recognition. So I'm going to be complicit in the slaughter of all my people. Yeah, like I can understand. Like I, I can legitimately. Um, like, like I, I, I think that a lot that um, that a lot of like, uh, the colonialist things can legitimately be wiped away with the um, if this was a cosmic cosmic thing and the villain was the villain was the enchantress. Um, a, a horrible seducer that uh, that's, a, that's that's a reminder of Asgard's horrible past. 
that, uh, that, uh, that that seduces Odin and Loki and fucking everybody into the into these ideals of power and these horrible things and taking over gigant and taking over dimensions. But when it's just when it's in the, when it's in the, a very very localized planetary, this is this is an actual alien invasion, and this is just a dude working for a like working for a woman because I don't want to be a janitor no more. It's kind of awful. It's yeah, aw- it's awful. Whether intentional or not, the colonial subtext of this movie and the way the movie addresses those teams is handled so poorly and so problematic. It's just really uncomfortable for for me watching the movie. Even more so than when I was watching a movie like Victoria and Abdul, which. Oh Where he blatantly God. is trying to glorify romanticized British colonialism of India. <laughs> In this movie, like, we don't have, like, explicit co- a commentary and attempt to romanticize an actual history in our real world, but, like, in a movie that is going to have a mass audience and it's going to be aimed towards children and to handle, like, a teams like this about historical revisionism, about being complicit in genocide, like, these very complex issues, it just handles them in a really poor way. And the Scourge's character arc is, like, the most upsetting at all, because he is redeemed. The movie presents him as having redeemed himself, when he is... A villainous character. He should be treated as just a villainous character. Not sympathetic at all Mm -hmm. for what he has done. For he should not be treated as sympathetic for standing there and watching as Hella slaughtered all of his people. And was, and leading the charge to slaughter innocent people. Yeah, wasn't, I think one of the people that he killed was one of the Warriors Three. Like, one of the people that Hella killed. And, um, that, that would be somebody that he, that, since he's not been brainwashed by the Enchantress. But he, d- he does mention serving with Thor and a few other people in um, in the fight against Christopher Eccleston and his Dark Elves. So that would mean that he would have served in the in the army alongside the Warriors 3 as somebody that is, is, is like, a cool dude. It's like a person who... A person who fights for his people and and stuff, but not, not fam, not fam. He's a, he's just a, he's just a piece of crap that just turns on a dime. I mean, seeing all his all his friends get slaughtered, he's like, oh whatever. Yeah. If the good. movie treated him like a piece of crap, that'd be great, but uh, they don't. They don't. And um, what's what's sad is like the movie does have some other kind of legitimately funny and well done subtext of. The great of like of like a little bits of revolution against the grandmaster like uh, yeah. the, like Rockbiter. I don't know his name. I'm just gonna call him Rockbiter. His his arc is friggin' hilarious. He's he's in the um he tried to start a revolution, but he didn't pass out enough pamphlets at his local college. So his mom and the her and her boyfriend showed up, and that was those are the only two people that were part of his revolution. He was thrown in jail, and then he finally gets a chance to like have an actual revolution, and he takes down the grandmaster, and he he rescues an entire civilization. Yeah, good job, Rockfighter. You yeah. did it. That was certainly funny. But then I also think on the flip of a coin that the movie was like sanitizing like what the circumstances of their slavery and like the revolution itself. Like yeah. I think the movie was trying to deal with or was using very political 
and complex themes mm-hmm. or subtext, but it didn't execute them very gracefully. Yeah, and, it, it, as opposed to a, a few the, yeah. the few episodes of Justice League that were focused on Mongol and war. Yeah, you know, like, oh, if the, the movie the Justice the, the Justice League um uh, what was it? it? Just uh oh, God. Justice League action episodes with Joker on War better. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I really so wish less. the movie was just Thor on Sacker. That That's would the be so thing. much more entertaining. Uh, I mean, that would have really freed the movie from some of the more problematic elements that came in from all that Asgard just, stuff. Just legitimately have the villain be the Enchantress. The Enchantress yeah. takes over Asgard by, um, by seducing one of his... Uh, by, by seducing the son of a storm giant, and, like, that's... Storm giants are... Oh, yeah, storm giants are dead now, by the way. If you wanted to see any storm giants, Asgard's gone, so if... I mean, you don't get to see any elves, storm giants, frost giants, giants, dragons, and all those are gone now. Bye. 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 There you go. All, all these great villains that they could use, they're just gone. Just have the Enchantress take over Asgard, um... While Loki the trickster um, banishes Odin to Earth for being a dick, and then he, in turn, gets banished to Earth by Enchantress for being a dick, because that's happened multiple times. She takes over Asgard, Thor tries to get back, she she screws up, um, she screws up a Bifrost, and he falls to this planet, and he has to get out. Woogity woogity. That'd be fun. Yeah, and if you're going to characterize Odin as having committed genocides in the past... Uh, being a genocidal dictator, actually do something with that, call him out on that, have him be punished for that, and don't try and depict him as this wise old man giving Tor advice in the final hour that he just needs to believe in himself. I think they wanted to write Odin out of the movies because he's a legitimate god, but for some reason, even though this was also written by Christopher Yost, the same person who wrote The Fall of Asgard and Earth's Mightiest Heroes. They just forgot they, they had this thing called the Odin Sleep, in which Odin falls asleep for a few cycles, and he's and basically Asgard is left undefended if Thor is screwing around in Midgard as he's wont to do. Because like, they they, like, just like in Earth's Mightiest Heroes or a few of the comic books or in Norse mythology, he could just return to Asgard and be like, Oh! Such and such took it over again. Oopsies. There you go. Odin's out of your movie. Congratulations. Thor learns a lesson. Yeah. Odin is punished for being a bad person because he's a bad person, or he's just not even in the movie, so you don't have to address any of his stuff. He, nobody has any really complex, deep yeah. uh, things centered around centered around real world themes like colonialism. Yeah. Don't slavery. don't address subject matter that you're not equipped to deal with in a mass entertainment. Film. Yeah, just just pull out a plot device that people have been using in Thor comics for years. The Odin sleep. It's even a plot device in Norse mythology. <laughs> like, oh no, why couldn't Odin stop this? He's sleeping, dude. He's sleeping. Yeah. Just, just let the boy rest. He's Man, a boy. <laughs> this conversation became very political, and I didn't intend it to be. But the movie, I didn't intend. I didn't expect the movie to uh, address subject matter like that and do it as problematically as it did. So it, it was worth calling out. It was well, worth addressing. It music. It uh, music. The moment-to-moment uh, experience of the movie is fun. You know, just the surface level of it 
you know that it's fun. It's a fun, enjoyable ride. It's got good humor. I, I I did laugh out loud several points in the movie. But when you think about what it is doing narratively, and like what it is drawing from, it, it then it becomes a lot more uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, especially in today's political social climate, where. These are very contentious issues that need to be de- dealt addressed in a very responsible manner. Yes. That can't be done in a Disney Marvel film that is aimed towards general audiences and just trying to be a pre- popcorn action flick. Yeah, it's uh, Wonder Woman. Um, I, I'm going to compare this to, to another super action flick. It created a lot of these problems when it had the idea of all the problems on Earth being caused by, by, by it, like, through, through gross misinterpretation of its own source material, it had, uh, it created this whole, this whole completely horrible idea that all the conflict on Earth, Nazis, etc., etc., were caused just by Ares. By Ares being a bad dude. And, it, Which it, is it, such a dumb idea. Yeah, but okay, in but the context of the movie, they later, uh, mitigate the, the, that by saying, by having Ari say, you know, I didn't really start any of this. Mm-hmm. I may have guided some things along the way, but humans themselves are responsible for all these But the fact that everything is magically resolved the moment Ares is killed, well, yeah, it's that's not. A- except it is. Like, all the not, all the Nazis and the, like, no, it doesn't. World War II happened. Yeah, World like War Wonder Man. Woman ha- was during World War One, and I don't think World War One like immediately stopped after Wonder Woman. Well, no, how they how they Ares. visually depicted in the movie, the yeah. moment Ares is defeated, all the fighting just suddenly stops. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. That, that was the one problem. That's like the one problem I, yeah. I was talking about. Like all like all this animosity and hatred was caused by a gross misinterpretation of what Ares's role in Greek mythology is, and Wonder Woman's handling of its own source material was so horrible. It can uh, like like it, it might as well just be. I don't know if it, it's a Wonder Woman movie. If they took away the whole fact that Wonder Woman is an Amazon is an Amazon from the island of Themyscira, which is still a good movie though. And then this movie, it's very very aware of its source material, even quoting it occasionally, and the idea of Ragnarok and everything else, and that's and it somehow twists it into something it's not supposed to be at all. It's not dealt um. Tan- it's not supposed to deal with that kind of thing. It's like it's not equipped to deal with these themes of colonialism by turning something huge and cosmic and mythological into something that's so close to home. Yeah. And through its own accidental misinterpretation, but also very, very close interpretation of its own source material, it created this weird, uh, horrible... I don't know. It created this. It, cre- it, it created this, where the only things you enjoy are the things that are not related to Asgard. Yeah. I really regret not having the language or enough knowledge to properly dissect just how the messages of this movie are so dangerous, but I do recognize them when I see it. I'm hoping that Lindsay Ellis does a video essay on 
uh, the colonialist things in this movie. Yeah, she does a great job of articulating that kind of stuff. I hope the next chapter of Miss Kobayashi's Maid Dragon goes back to its first chapter, the roots, and, talks, <laughs> and, and, kick, and kicks this movie's knowledge and usage of Norse mythology on its ass. Just, just remember, kids. Whatever you, whatever you're thinking of doing the laundry, just think of the dragon eat, um, eating the tr- the roots of Yggdrasil, the world tree. That's that's what your old boy Quetzalcoatl told you to do. And my, that was that's more that's more accurate and more usage of Norse mythology than literally anything else in this movie. <laughs> the idea of Kuru doing the laundry in her mouth. <laughs> God, God bless America. God bless America. Actually, God bless Japan. And God bless the fact that this dude got interested in Norse mythology and went to the library and wrote some cool stuff. Like this, this, this weird otaku dude that wants to write that, that wants to write a love story about dragons and then accidentally goes to the library and then kind of gets a little bit hooked on this stuff. He he, he writes a better, more accurate script to um, to the ideals of Norse mythology and this kind of thing that these people who obviously have to study it very, very closely to get these characters and these worlds and to depict all of this stuff. Like, there's all, there's all sorts of imagery there, like, and, and a lot of the plot devices rely entirely on Asgardian things, like, it, I mean, it's, but Asgard still isn't a big part of the movie, but it's the plot of the movie. Everything takes place on War War. I'm just going to call it War World. It's War yeah, World. It's, it's War World! <laughs> I mean, I is there an equivalent in the Marvel Universe? Um, Secret Wars World! <laughs> Secret War World! <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, it's, it's just that. I mean, and it works. It's great. I love it. I love the, I love the world's aesthetic. I love, um, how little but how much it ties into Norse mythology. Like, oh yeah, there's Valkyrie here. How did she get there? Well, Hela kind of killed her, uh, killed the Valkyrie squad. Was the person that, uh, protected Valkyrie in her flashback, was that supposed to be Tor's mom? I, no, it's, it's kind of like it's her. not because Thor's mom gets killed off in Thor two. Oh, yeah. Then who was it supposed to be? I don't know. I think it's just a random person. It's uh, oh. it's 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 one of the bigger Valkyries. I'm again, yeah. I'm not like huge into Thor comics, but I know that she's a that she's she's some kind of character related to the Valkyries. The Valkyries are big and they're still around. They're in Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I wonder if that's going to come back in a future movie. It, probably not. It, it probably it's probably not going to because they um. If they can't handle the Infinity Gems and and the idea of like laying the groundwork for future <laughs> movies, um, it, it, they they definitely can't handle one off shots with minor characters. Like if they can't handle the thing that's supposed to be what every single Marvel movie is leading up to, they definitely can't handle sequel baiting. Yeah, I mean we still have one Infinity Gem to find, and uh, there's no time to find it. Yeah, so like, so one and so one is embedded. In, well, no, two are embedded in the heads of characters, and um, and one of the, and the vision's been reworked so that his entire identity and personality revolve around the Infinity Gem instead of him being a robot created by um, Ultron and and just being that. So yeah, they're gonna have to deal with that, which could be an entire movie in of itself. And the big problem is all the other five gems are all scattered across the galaxies. So, the next, like, Infinity Wars basically just going to be a fetch quest. Yeah, but yeah. it can't be a fetch quest because Infinity Wars has to be Thanos, because of how the... But it's two films, so I guess the first film can be the fetch quest, and the second one can be the other thing. I guess? I, I um, there's the, the I, I, I was thinking that it would be divided up into something along the lines of the Guardians of the Galaxy, 
um, taking the fight to Thanos and eventually losing, and then Adam Warlock um, transporting everybody into Thanos' head and horrible things happening and reality-bending, mind-bending, woogity-woogity-woo, this is Ant-Man and Doctor Strange <laughs> mat mesh together. And it'd be super cool and stuff. Oh yeah, and also, also, there's the there's the gem in Adam Warlock's head. I I, I don't know how maybe that's gonna get the that. sixth one. Then? No, no, we in our in our counting of it, we we, oh. inclu- we included the we 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 included the gem in Adam Warlock's head. Do we? Okay. Yeah. So Loki. Yeah. So Loki has one. Loki has one. He gets it at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, Vision has one in his head. Yeah, Vision's one in his head. Adam Warlock has one in his head. Although, like, we know Adam Warlock's in the movie. Anybody who saw the ending of Guardians of the Galaxy with the Howard the Duck thing, you see his cocoon hatching. That's his. That's the thing. Okay. The Guardians have one, and uh, I think the either United States government or somebody else has another. They don't. I don't think. I think the other one is with Doctor Strange's group. Yeah. So and that's the fifth one. Then the sixth one, we don't know where it is. Yeah, it's probably on Thanos' glove. Possibly. Possibly. We don't... Um, Unless they want to spend extra time in Infinity War for searching for it. For yeah. Reason. How the Infinity... Um, how the actual <laughs> Infinity War starts is Thanos has already created a phys- Has already warped reality to, to make a physical manifestation of death so she can actually be seen by people outside of people who are dead. And so he can bone her, get it, she's a skeleton, and starts destru- starts tearing apart various facets of Earth, and Doctor Doom gathers together the, uh, gets together the only people who could probably stop this and take the fight to Thanos, but Thanos keeps, destru- keeps killing and reviving and killing and re- reviving these people in a horrible, 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 horrible little pageant of death put on for death herself, and the various gods of the universe, um, and the, um, and, and the, and the various old um, the various elder um, elders of the universe, although it's mostly just like Eagle, the Living Planet, and people like that, um, try to try to team up and fight Thanos. But what defeats him in the end is Death's eventual rejection of him. Because why the hell would she want more death? She is death. And that's yeah. I think yeah. Odin dies to uh, like like Odin and the various gods of the nine realms come together and try to kill him, and that doesn't work. Yeah. And then Adam Warlock traps uh, traps them all inside of his own head reality, and it's cool shit. I mean, it's 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 nothing on the levels of Crisis on Infinite Earth, but it's some pretty cool shit. So like that's uh, that, that in of itself could probably encompass two movies or something if they actually had the rights to Galactus or Doctor Doom, but but they don't, uh, so they can't do that. Yeah, so I'm like, how are they gonna do this? I don't know. Probably some big cool fight thing. It's really gonna be Infinity War name only. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I don't know what they're doing. Thanos isn't being built up at all. He appears at the end of the movie to put an end to Thor's colonialist plans of making Asgard into Norway. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all the conquering Norway, renaming it Little Asgard, oh, uh, New Asgard. But just that little cliff. Uh, they're they're going to take it. Uh, it's too that bad little... that Thanos did cut short Thor's adventures as Captain Harlock. Yeah, I know. Oh, that was so God. cool. <laughs> also, I, I think the implication was supposed to be that the uh, the Keeper of Bifrost was going to become the new Odin. Because he's like, can I sit there? And Thor's like, oh, let me see for a little bit. Then hmm. I think that was supposed to be the implication because Thor is definitely going with the idea, but very, 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 very true to his character, by the way, that he is not going to be the new Odin. He doesn't want to be Odin. He has too much fun fucking around in Midgard. Maybe they can f- have Loki's 
oh, um, maybe I'm a villain, maybe I'm a hero thing, just end with his character just developing into like, okay, now I am going to stay a good guy, I'm going to become the new ruler of Asgard. Yeah, just like he did in Loki you know? for president. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's something that Thor calls Loki out on in this movie, is like, you know, you're, you're just kind of staying the same. You're, you're just falling into the cycle of, Oh, uh, you are going to betray me. We, I team up with you for a while and you betray me. You know, you're predictable now. You gotta grow up. You gotta, gotta develop. So maybe he will finally develop. Yeah, cause they seem to have actually read Norse mythology and they refer to Loki by his many names. And Loki's very, very special in that he's a god that has multiple things. He's the god of stories, the god of lies, the god of thieves, the god of mischief. He's basically Hermes, um, if you've got, if anybody's read Greek mythology, except more. And that's actually special in Norse mythology because he's multiple things, like Thor's just the god of thunder, Hela's the god of death, and he, Loki is all these things, and he's constantly reinventing himself depending on his mood and his, and the situation. So, it would make perfect sense for Loki in his next incarnation to become something like the god of stories, the god that tells the, that, that, um, that leads Asgard into, to being something more, the, um, he tells the story of old Asgard and why it fell and becomes something new and, I don't know, something along the lines of what he was trying to do in Loki for president in which he was trying to shape Midgard into something great. <laughs> Make Midgard great again! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I swear to God, it's actually well written. Anybody who hasn't read it, it's really good. Go out and read it. The art's not very good, but the, but the, but what's in it, even if, if you, if, if whatever side you're on in the political sphere, I swear to God, it's good. Read it to fap your Lord and Savior Loki. Read it, read it because. Uh, it, speaking it, of, yeah. we forgot our theater experience, but we saw it in a, what's still a pretty full theater. Yeah. And what's very notable is that we were sitting by a group of girls who were very much enjoying this movie and giggling all the way through it, and especially at Thor Loki scenes. They, uh. They I, wanted the D! <laughs> yeah. But, I hate Loki to nice say ass. it. But I think this was kind of an easy crowd because they were also laughing a lot at the Jumanji trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I they, 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 these people were laughing their asses off at the Jumanji trailer, and it's kind of the theater experience where like you you're laughing at the joke that's there for I don't know people who are paying attention, but not for the people that aren't paying attention. Yeah. And like and like the people in the theater are laughing at the one liners that you're not laughing at, but you're laughing at the like the character <laughs> interactions and shit. Yeah. And like, oh, he's a friend from work. It's like it's still kind of funny because that would get, like the, the actually extended it, it, interaction of that scene. It only like I thought it was going to be kind of shit because it's just like a trailer thing. But no, they kept building upon it. Like I thought they're just going to be like, oh, it's a uh, it's the Incredible Hulk. But it's like, and then he's like, oh, it's Banner. And then Hulk's like, oh, I am Hulk, not Banner. And like, <laughs> I was laughing my ass off because I was yeah, like, I thought it was funny. Also, in the crowd, there were people who were wearing Hulk, man. Yeah. yeah. And then like, and then, like Loki is just like, oh. Oh, oh yeah, the, all the all the, call, all the jokes with Loki being afraid of Hulk, and then when Thor is being like slammed around by Hulk, and yes, Loki that's how it feels. you know how it feels. That was so good. It's too bad that Hulk didn't get to throw around Hela, so he could have thrown oh. around all the uh, children of Odin. You know, I actually legitimately wanted the ending of this movie to be. 
like Hulk jumps at like, like he he jumps at Surtur. Yeah. I wanted what would it, well, I wanted um, Hulk to just rip off Surtur's crown <laughs> and throw it off of Midgard, and then, like while while Thor's yeah like Hulk, no, this is how it has to be, and then it's just like just 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 Surtur just dies instantly, and Hela's like. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna go it out. And Thor's like, oh, uh, alright everybody, come back, come back, we're good. <laughs> or, or something along the lines of um, the various races of, of uh, Asgard coming together. And like, yeah, by the way, we exist too, and they blow hell of the fuck out because yeah. dwarves are so cool. Like the, like the dwarves, they hate the Asgardians, but they live on the same planet. And they're just like, yeah. like I say, they live in the same realm, and they they probably do something along the lines of, yeah, we built this gigantic hella killing gun. Here you go. You, <laughs> it's powered by magic and rainbows. It shoots like concentrated bifrost or something. Bangity bangity bang. Oh, she's dead now. Ten out of ten there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Speak, speaking of a uh, um problematic themes, let's let um don't don't let Marvel fool you. Uh, Thor just committed genocide against. The uh, the fa- the fair folk, the elves, the dark elves, the frost yeah. giants, the storm giants, the dwarves, uh, the gnomes. I'm not sure if there's hobbits in this universe, but he, but there probably are. He just killed all the hobbits. Um, <laughs> every every single other god that wasn't Thor, Loki, Hela, or Odin. I mean, Hela's probably dead. Yeah, Hela, Hela's dead now, or Surtur, but but like they're all dead now. But those two are those those th- three. Though I wonder how did Loki escape the planet. Because he, he was in, like, the throne room. Off, he ran off after he activated... Uh, he got to the ship in time? Just, I guess so. I don't know. It's, it's strange to me. Yeah, like, how Because he, he was, like, in the throne room when, like, he, he revived Surtur. Or, like, in the basement of the palace. He probably just got so, out like, really fast. Like they, they, yeah. gave him, they gave him his powers back because they keep forgetting... Because, like, during half the movie, he's got powers... And the other half he doesn't like yeah. like in that one scene where he's being tied up with chains and they're like and then Thor's talking about the time that he turned into a snake but I'm like and then Loki I'm like oh, why didn't you just turn into a snake then Loki because you can do that you can turn into a snake and get out of here Loki it's yeah. or, or or like with or you know when or when he's trying when he's like I, maybe I should escape the Grandmaster I don't know turn into a gigantic horrifying world eating demon you can do that you've done it before in the movies yeah you dumbass oh look it's Surtur what do you do grab the Infinity Stone Rawr, I'm a gigantic monster <laughs> Surtur gone Loki was so inconsistent it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Tom Hiddleston did a good job. He's definitely earned his status of meme, of Tumblr meme. He's, he's, he deserves it. He's a good Tumblr meme. I I still think he's hot to this day, even though he was, he's looking more and more like Tommy Wiseau. He's hot, Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. This is my Tommy Wiseau. Ah, 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 ah. This show was a mistake. Did you want to see me play Dark Souls? No. There was a Tommy Wiseau that Machinima did, but they... but. It, 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 they wasted such great concepts as Tommy was so playing Dark Souls, and and this madman, this absolute madman, was playing Dark Souls as a ravaged character, like 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 like, like, like he 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 was playing Dark Souls on like the absolute hardest difficulty, and he wasn't doing that bad. Wow. He was, and then the lady started posting on Twitter, all the kids played the Dark Souls, but 
they they must look back and realize the dark souls are within ourselves. <laughs> Was though she direct a Dark Souls movie? <laughs> he should. He's, 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 he's like he's like oh hi there. He's never running away from these from these things from these like gigantic demons and monsters. And Machinima wastes the entire episode having him interact with really shitty actors That's instead a shame. of playing Dark Souls. Now this movie could have been so much better if Tom Hiddleston transformed into Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Why are they gonna have Tommy Wiseau in one of these movies? Yeah. They should. Cast him as somebody. To, to ca- cast him as Loki, and then have him, <laughs> ha- have him play football with Asgard. <laughs> cast him as a Loki from the future when he's gone senile and crazy. Oh, yeah, God. and he's like, ah, oh, what the story, Thor? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Greg, hey, Greg, how about let's ruin your career again? <laughs> let's just have Greg Sestero play uh, play Thor from now on. Then have him ruin every single one of uh, uh, Greg Thor's relationships and but also be his best friend and teach him all about the world to the, the disaster artist. I'm not sure if it has any of this, but the book was great. I think it comes out, like, next month. I, 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 I saw... I, there was an early showing at the AMC that I... Like, it showed, was there? Yeah, yeah, when we were there, it said the disaster... Like, uh, uh, when we were for Spirited Away, it said the disaster artist on a door. Huh. It was weird. I don't. I don't know how that's. And there's there's billboards for it everywhere across the United States with the um the guy who's playing Tommy was so now doing an impression of Tommy's original billboard in L.A. where he's just staring creepily at you, <laughs> the one that was there for four years for no reason. It became like an L.A. landmark. Just the um like nobody knew, before anybody knew what the room was. There was this gigantic billboard in L.A. like yeah. in this really prominent place that cost like millions of dollars per month to put up there that Tommy was paying for out of pocket because he's so frickin' rich, um, of Tommy just staring, they're going, Ugh. and it said, The Room! <laughs> Nobody knew what The Room was. Nobody oh, knew gosh. what it was. Nobody knew who Tommy Wiseau was. Oh, it's the saddest thing. Under dra- when you're stuck in traffic every morning, you just you just look at this man staring down it's at you. It's good subliminal advertising. Yeah. So what they're doing for the disaster artist is they're taking out these billboards all across the country. That's a great, that it's is perfect. the best. I want this movie to be perfect because the disaster artist at its core is about a man who escaped poverty, who escaped his... Who escaped the Eastern Bloc, uh, the Eastern Bloc, and found the land of opportunity, the true American success story. A man who had nothing and came to America, followed the American dream, and found everything, took risks, took chances, and then made his dreams come true because he could at that point. He was so rich, he could do what he wanted. He made his dream movie, and that's the core of the disaster artist. Yeah. That's legitimately the core of The Room. The Room is Tommy's success, and we're just sitting there watching it become a bigger success than he could have ever imagined. Yeah, we uh, make fun of him in that movie, but he really had a pretty inspiring story. Yeah, like... Getting to where he is. Like, 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 like um, he, he, the reason, like, they, um, so, like, he, he, he fucking escapes communist Russia... His, his family, I think his family at that point was dead. He escapes to France, lives there for a few years while the, um, while the, uh, uh while the, uh, I don't care what they called, what were, what were communist Russian police, whatever they were, they were trying to track him down, escapes the United States, starts selling birds and stuff, 
Like, he's, he's just sending these cute little, like, uh, bird whistles, and he's called the Bird Man, because, like, all the birds in the area liked him, and then he Aww. then he started making some bootleg Levy's jeans, because Levy's were really expensive at the time, <laughs> and, like, created this whole, like, bootleg fashion brand, like Alibaba, like they do in South Korea, which, I mean, that sounds kind of terrible, but, I mean, look at the prices of Supreme nowadays, like, bootlegs, God bless them, keep doing what you're doing, screw fashion brands, and he just makes himself into this multi-billion dollar success. That can that can afford to make a move, not only make a movie, but have that creepy billboard staring down at you for four years, <laughs> <laughs> even though there's no way to watch the movie. Like it was, it was there for like two years after the movie like first aired, and like you, you couldn't watch it because it wasn't on DVD or anything. It's just there, just Tommy. He's there. He's always He's watching. always watching you. God, God bless. And then Tommy. Adult Swim exposed it to everyone across the country, yeah. airing it. On April Fool's Day for five years straight. Thank Beautiful. you. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, Adult Swim. You've brought this man into the limelight. And I. Yeah. That, what, what's, what's Greg Sestero doing nowadays outside of writing? He's I much, don't know. The story of Tommy Vizzo in the room is really fascinating, but we should probably get back to talking about Thor. Do we have anything else to say on Thor? Uh, I'm not it's a, sure. It's, a, it's, a, I, it's, a, it's not that bad of a movie. Was, it's a good movie outside of the Asgard stuff. Yeah, so like, well, it, so just go go for, go for the stuff that's not Asgard, it, and that's like I don't know, seven point five out of ten. It's a good popcorn flick. It's better yeah. than the. It's, it's more intellectual and character based and funny with than a Michael Bay movie. It's got some great sets, some great action, and this, the gladiatorial stuff at the, is it has some weight to it, which is really cool. Thor actually uses his mind for a few things, like he he like he like sticks his sword in in a, in a thing and then tries to make a hammer, and then once he gets a hammer, he beats the shit out of the Hulk, and it's like an actual even match, and that's pretty cool. That was some pretty cool stuff. Bruce Banner's in this too, so if you get if you're tired of seeing the Hulk all the time and never Brucey boy, you got some Bruce Banner because he'll never be in anything. <laughs> yeah, fuck Bruce Banner. He's not my kid. Oh, fuck. The <laughs> <laughs> fucking Earth's Mightiest Heroes has le- the first episode with the Hulk makes it clear that Bruce is never going to appear because he has a deal with the Hulk. And even then, Bruce Banner is more of a character when he doesn't even appear outside of the first episode. Yeah. Because he's constantly having a dichotomy with the Hulk. They did an actually pretty okay job of conveying the horror that Bruce uh, of Bruce Banner's relationship with the Hulk, and no movie has really commented on that. Like the idea that when he when the Hulk takes control, he he he's losing control of the Hulk, and he doesn't think he'll ever be in control of the Hulk again. And that's like a thing that's been slowly building up, but they don't do anything with it. But here they actually kind of do something with it. They do brush it aside, but it's there. Yeah. And like the last few movies, all they did was, It's time time to go to sleep, big guy! I'm Natasha Romanoff, and I'll be your love interest for the evening. And here they make fun of that. Hulk had a much better character arc in this movie than uh, Avengers and uh, Age of Ultron. It actually somewhat makes you sympathize with Hulk a little bit. Yeah, I mean... Which is something that other films don't really do. They just like... Depict him as just angry man who will smash things. Yeah. Him and Valkyrie was the most humanizing thing I've ever seen from the Hulk besides the Earth's Mightiest Heroes scene where, um, uh, where, where Tony Stark st- starts bouncing ideas off of him as just like a dumb wooden post and then says, oh, you wouldn't understand. And Hulk like solves his quantum physics problem with him, for, like for him, and Tony's like, what the fuck? And Hulk's like, 
I'm not stupid, you asshole. <laughs> I just talk stupid. Hulk and Valkyrie had a way more cute and believable relationship than Hulk and Natasha. Like, yeah. I love the scene where, like, they see each other and then they start, like, play fighting. That was cute. And, like, the but whole- I, I like the chemistry between them. I could, I could dig it. I don't know why that the movie instead tries to posit... Valkyrie is a love interest for Tor instead when it Thor seems more obvious that Hulk should Hulk and her have more chemistry. I, yeah, I don't. He fucking say says that. please to her. He's <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, he just throws this gigantic jawbone across the room and he's like, stay, <laughs> and, it's, and she's like, oh, and like, and like Bruce has this. Um, it, they did a really good job of portraying like Bruce ha- um, since he spent so much time with her as the Hulk has this weird odd attraction to her that he can't understand mm-hmm. and she has this weird attraction to him that she can't understand and she eventually starts getting it and they're like constantly like in a completely non creepy way which I didn't think they would handle it like this, but what they do, they're just like, you know, I know you from somewhere. And she's like, I know you from somewhere. And they're like doing all sorts of cool shit together and figuring out sciencey shit and blowing shit up. And they're like, I know you. And it was great. You could see them interacting as both the Hulk and Bruce Banner and like them both working with that. Like, the, like they've both got a dichotomy of the Asgardian and the booze hound loser. And the Hulk and Bruce Banner, and that works, but with Natasha, they were focusing only on the Hulk being a monster. Like, you can't, you can't see Bruce and Natasha together. You can't. Because they don't do anything with that. It's it's Natasha wants the big green D. The jolly green D. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a big problem, because, like, the other, MCU in general just doesn't know how to handle Hulk. Or Natasha. Yeah. Yeah. They they don't know how to handle Hulk. I mean, they handle her way worse. It's... We had one good movie with her. We had one good interaction with her where they had her as this cool secret agent doing secret agenty things. And then... And then Joss Whedon writes her as tragic because she can't have children. She's a monster! Not because she's... She's a monster because she can't have children. I, I don't know. She's... That's... that's Oof, Joss Whedon. And, and, and at the same time, he takes away anything that Hawkeye had at the same time. Because, I mean, Hawkeye, he's not a secret agent. He's a... He's a family man, and whatever, and now he serves, he's there literally to serve now as a reminder to Natasha, which she can never have, instead of, you know, them just being cool secret agent pals. Yeah. Man, I do not like Age of Ultron for what it did with the characters. Uh, Hulk, oh, 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 Hulk, you poor, poor bastard. At least Avengers 1 tried to do something with the Hulk. Yeah. It's even, like that difficult to write Hulk. Like, it's just that they don't understand Hulk's character at all. I mean, Marvel didn't until 20 years after the Hulk was invented, but even which then... Is, which is so dumb, because a story like Hulk is not traditional in how the way you'd handle it, but it's still not impossible. It's just that they don't put in the effort to actually do it. Yeah, like, originally there's a lot of people putting effort into what the Hulk should have been, like... Jack Kirby wanted it to be something along the lines of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and it would be a horror story. And Steve Ditko wanted it to be um, less that and more something along the lines of this man, this monster, um, it, um, it, where the Hulk and um, Bruce Banner had some sort of um, had interactions together. 
And it, it, it didn't work out entirely, but it worked. And then the movies are just like, aha, he is a Hulk, and he's <laughs> yeah. in a smash. And also, he's he going to smash the Black Widow. Ho, ho, ho. What, what do you um, mean? What do you mean you guys have been waiting on Hawkeye, Mockingbird, and, um, and, 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 and Black, Black Widow doing cool shit together and taking down Hydra agents? Occasionally led by Captain America. What? What do you mean we tease that in uh, in, in in Winter Soldier? <laughs> Fuck you! I'm so obsessed with just the fact that Hulk's identify with just being angry and smashing things that they completely forget that he's supposed to be a much deeper character. Yeah, and here they actually do that. Yeah, yeah. They, I thought they were going to be have him be a throwaway character in this movie, but I was really pleasantly surprised in which, oh. He's not. Oh, that's my that's my secret cat. I'm always angry. <laughs> he's like he's legitimately struggling to take things down to like take things down a notch. And Thor's like, okay, you don't have to be the Hulk ever again. Oh, oh no, it's a Hulk party. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry, Bruce. Bruce is just like, please get me out of there. <laughs> it was adorable. They're they're good. They're they're good yeah. pals. And yeah, the Hulk has, like, emotional range even in his Hulk form. He's not just angry all the time. Like, that scene where he was having a spot with Thor, and, you know, they calm each other down, and Hulk says, you know, I'm just so angry all the time. That's <laughs> hilarious, and it, like, adds dimension to his character in a way that is a lot more believable than an out-of-nowhere romantic connection between Hulk and Natasha. Yeah, which, uh, again, they make it very clear that her and Bruce don't have that. It's just the Hulk and her, yeah. which makes it really weird because the Hulk... Because has... only a woman can calm down the Hulk, apparently. And only I Hulk th- himself... I thought it was... Rick, uh, which, which is which is weird because, like, that's, like, Rick Jones's thing. He's serious as, like, um, as, like the Hulk and, Bo- and Bruce's uh, connection to reality. So I guess, I, I guess Natasha's Rick Jones now. Except now there's romantic overtones, and also Rick Jones doesn't leave the Hulk to become Captain America's sidekick for a while. That was cool. Mm. Yay, Rick! <laughs> Woo! I love you, Rick Jones. I don't, I don't give a shit if the fans don't like you. You're as cool as Snapper Car. And I don't care if people don't like you, Snapper Car. You're as cool as Johnny Thunder. And I don't care if people don't like you, Johnny Thunder. You're as cool as Jakeem. And everybody loves Jakeem. That n- n- nobody knows. N- probably nobody's gonna know who those people are. But I, I'm sorry. It's all. It's all right. It's a. It's all right. Uh, Justice League had a um, ha- had a mascot called Snapper Car, and Rick Jones was the uh, Hulk's best friend and hmm. Bruce Banner's best friend. And then um, after he did, he, then then he then uh, then Rick Jones got really really fucked up in the head when he realized his entire life was it was literally just keeping this horrible monster from being unleashed <laughs> upon the world night after night. So he so he went nuts, joined Captain America and the Avengers, um, and served as Captain America's sidekick and Bucky for a while, and that was pretty cool. And Johnny Thunder was the um was was the Justice Side of America's mascot with the fifth dimensional Thunderbolt and Jakeem Thunder was the inheritor of the Thunderbolt and he was around for a while, but don't tell anybody he was black. So uh and he was a cool black legacy character and you can't have that in comics. We can only have characters like uh, Jane Foster, Thor, and New Falcon, Captain America, who's is, everything's about race instead of you know being about a character being cool. Fuck that shit. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't see Jakeem being so sad about the fact that Johnny was a white dude. <laughs> oh, no. Captain America's Falcon's entire character is, Oh, they hate me because I'm black. Oh, Ooh. when the last Captain America was a war criminal Nazi. <laughs> As in Bucky Barnes. Bucky right. Barnes was Captain America before, um, before Sam Wilson inherited the title. And I'm like, so, in this Marvel Universe, they're more accepting of a Nazi than they are of a black dude? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to heck. Oh boy, I really hope the Disney movies stay away from that, and now I'm not so sure after watching this one. We yeah. kind of went off uh, on more tangents, but we were going to try and like wrap up on our thoughts and both liked the movie uh, and would recommend it. You know, it, it was fun. I mean, for me, though, I can't recommend the movie without qualifiers. In fact, I don't really know if I really do like the movie overall, because while the moment-to-moment enjoy enjoyment of it, while I was having fun and I was laughing along with the movie, when I'm out of the theater and now I'm thinking about more of its problematic subtext... That really is kind of a deal breaker for me in some aspects, because it it makes it harder for me to enjoy the movie just as like turn your brain off popcorn entertainment when I'm also thinking about ooh these are very dangerous messages that you're not uh really handling well. So it's it's less of a uh, like. If there was more to it, I could definitely handle those themes in the same way that somebody could handle a Lovecraft story to fight, despite the fact that there's a dude, that there's a cat called Nickerman. <laughs> <laughs> All hell! The rats in the walls! The, the savior of the world is a cat named Niggerman. Mm-hmm. I, I oh, just, God. It, it named after Lovecraft's actual cat. Like, I can handle that because the story's a good story. It's just that there's not enough right. here. To completely justify all the all like the weird stuff that it puts forth. Yeah, I mean, the humor in the movie is good. I don't think the story is actually that good. Yeah. Like, it's more about laughing along with the jokes and enjoying the spectacle. But the actual plot, just the textual surface level plot, isn't that interesting? And then the subtext, like... The things that I don't even want to say is really commenting on because it's not actually having anything to say. It's just appropriating political elements but not doing anything with them. And the way it handles them is very troubling to me. I found the movie funny, but I also found it very problematic and I'm very conflicted on whether or not I actually like the movie. But if you like Marvel movies, eh, this is good. In the sense that it's, you know, in terms of everything you want, humor, character, interactions, uh, spectacle, it's got everything and it does it very well with a much more defined visual aesthetic than most of the other Marvel movies besides Guardians of the Galaxy. So definitely would recommend it to most people, but I do think that there are a lot of problems with the subject matter that the movie is handling that is worth addressing, worth talking about. I'm hoping that people more equipped than I will do video essays on this subject. Ayo now.
Oh no! Now, now our now our Lord and Savior Ivan is talking about how Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid doesn't have like an actual grasp on Norse mythology outside of because his portrayals kind of uh, kind of pale in comparison to actual like mythology itself. That's the point, Ivan. That's the point. <laughs> so I'm saying that something that's not about Norse mythology is has the better grasp than something that is. Norse mythology. It's called Ragnarok. Remind me to yeah. put a larger dildo up his ass next time I see him. I, th- I think the last one I put up there just wasn't big enough. I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some angry texts right now. Send him some nudes. Well, you two can go send mean texts to your boyfriends and have your orgy parties later. I have a first. Love me. Let's close off the show. Where can the good people find you, Wheelord? Um, the good people f- can find me on Twitter at VLordGTZ. That is V-L-O-R-D-G-T-Z. Um, and yeah, just talk to me on there about anything I like. JoJo, Conan, anything. Yeah, talk to me, please. Send you, help. You can find me at Braxton on Twitter. And whoever that, that person is that, that, that followed me, and then DM'd me and then said I should join their Discord and then never got back to me when I said, Who are you and why? Yeah, I like your art, but why? <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that, uh, get back to me on that. I doubt you listen to this, but whoever you are, hi. <laughs> you should follow me because I've, uh, um. Post furry porn. I don't post furry porn, I just post borderline furry porn. <laughs> oh, Mike yeah. Pollock messaged me once, and that was cool. This is a thoroughly unmonetizable podcast. Uh, one day we're going to get a gigantic silver play button. Gonna be Joe, yeah. gonna be super cool, just like the, the dude that does those uh, cool, cute flip note things, because he got a silver play button outside of him not really sharing his animations on YouTube. How do you do that, anyways? I don't know. His I videos don't... are two seconds long, because they're just cute little flip notes. I love him. He's, he's Keke. Keke! It's Keke! Love you, Keke! Shout out to Keke Flipnote Animations, because you're cute. You're an adorable human being, and you're pure, and I'm really glad you got a television show now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the, the guy who does those adorable <laughs> Flipnote animations with, like, the foxes and stuff, he, he's getting a TV show. Like, he's directing it. I'm... Wow, that's cool. That, that's great. I, um, it's, I don't know what country he's from, though. I love seeing independent animators strike it big. Yay, I hope he animates it in Flipnote for 3DS. <laughs> it's not going to happen. That's cool. It is cool, though. God bless America. It's not America. God bless wherever Keke is from. Keke? How does that accent work? Probably Keke. Yeah, because it's got the accent over the last E, so it'd be Keke. Yeah, Keke. I know accents. I, I've been learning how they work because I'm trying to learn other languages. I can say things in broken Japanese now. Hooray for broken Japanese. Watashi wabakadase. That's not how you say it. Okay, well, that is a subject we'll have to talk about at a later date. If you want to find me, Lam Ramayasha, who is not as crazy and politically incorrect as these two, you can follow me on Twitter at Lam Ramayasha. And find me as Lum Ramayasha on my anime list, Animation Revelation. Anywhere you can find a Lum Ramayasha, I'll be there. As for the show, you can follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks, on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com, subscribe to us on iTunes, 
And you can listen to them first on All Dash Comic. All of our podcasts are published on the website first. And you can follow the site on Twitter at all underscore comic. Don't, don't hate don't hate us for or me for being politically incorrect sometimes. <laughs> I don't. I don't agree with genocide if it's on a cosmic scale. I'm not a cosmic genocide apologist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it's okay when Odin. <laughs> well, no matter whether you're politically incorrect or not, we enjoy having you on the show. Odin lives and- matter. Yes. <laughs> Odin lives matter, Marvel. Why did you kill him? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's got like a million lives. Dude, please, please, please give him some more. I love, I love you. Go to the live store. The what? The, oh, yeah, the live store. Yeah. The, oh, the Secret Day Mortality is just right there. Yeah, just, just go in there, just trade some stuff for you. You, 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 you can have a quiet life. You can have a nice life. My Yoshikage Kira. Yes, Yoshikage yeah. Kira. Well, you can just buy a quiet life right there. It's there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 doofus. He's, he's such a goofball. I love. I actually just met a dude that thinks Yoshikage Kira was completely right all the time and hated it and, and thought that Josuke. Oh dear! I think it's a future serial killer right there. Yeah. Yeah, I but he's concerned. got a copy of Fire. But he's got a copy of Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. So it's like, I mean, I, I, <laughs> you'll I want take to, your chances. I'll take my chances because. I want to play it on his GameCube. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't murder you before our next podcast. Yeah, keep keep because... track of your hands at all times. I'm, I'm I'm trying to get him to read that that Slayer's novel that he has just lying around that he bought from a thrift store. What what volume number? It's is the that? first one. Okay, that one's not too expensive. It's not too expensive, and I'm like, is I was like, I was like, yeah, you get. He's like, you know, I'm not that big of a weeb compared to my other roommates, but like, I should probably get into that shit. I've been trying to get into the classics, and he lists off some other th- some shit, and I'm like. Fuck that shit. Go read, go, go, go read Slayers. He's like, oh yeah, like the first volume. I'm like, don't read it! You idiot! God, it's, the path to weebdom was right in front of you the whole yes. time. Hopefully he sees the light and gets into the wonderful world of Slayers. And then cries that there's no more anime. And then, yeah. the, the, then realizes that, uh, Josuke is best Jojo and he, and, and, and Lord is wrong. And I look at him, he's cringing. <laughs> I am also going to disagree with you. Jolene is factually the best. We proved that on our manga fight about also, Jojo's. We should probably wrap this up. Yes, we should wrap this up. Much like how Tor will return in Avengers Infinity War, we will return in future Manga Matters Ad Movies episodes. Until then, sayonara!